Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in the final chapter of the story, chapter 31 of the story. Uh, many of you have been here over the last nine months. We started this back in September. A lot of you have joined us on, and, and come into the, the worship life of this congregation in the last nine months, and you've received a copy of this book. If you are here today and you don't have a copy of the story, we still want to give you one as a gift to you. Uh, and so if you're a visitor of our church, this is our gift to you. There's a stack of them outside this first set of double doors and to the right. Even though we're in the final chapter today, this can be a, a benefit to you in your spiritual walk with Jesus. The story has taken us from beginning and now to the end. Over the last nine months, many of you have gathered here week after week, a lot of you on Sunday mornings between services to dig into God's Word deeper. We've had around a hundred of you participating in small group Bible studies uh, throughout the different weeks, meeting in people's homes to dig into this further. Our Sunday school children have been progressing with us through the story uh, week after week as well. And I pray for you, my dear friends in Christ, that this has been uh, uplifting for you as you learn the scriptures. And for those of you who are already regular Bible readers, I hope that the story has helped to put things in a grand perspective for you. Today, the content for chapter 31 comes from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the last book in the Bible, and again, you hear me say that the name of this book is Revelation. Say that with me, Revelation, Revelation, okay, Revelation, it is not, I'm going to tell you, it's not Revelations, all right? All the other books in the New Testament end with an S. And, and I learned this uh, lesson really well when I was a kid. My dad was my pastor. Uh, and so my dad taught, you know, a variety of programs for me uh, as I was growing, going through youth and all this stuff. And my dad was a big stickler about this thing. as Revelation and not Revelations. And so there was a group of us that anytime that my dad would mention Revelation or that we would sing or say the word Revelation, some of us would just sit in the back of the class and go, <laughs> Revelations. So I have learned very clearly that it is Revelation and not Revelations, and I just simply pass that information along to you following my father's footsteps. All right? Now don't go hissing at me, all right? So why, why is this important? Why is it important to, to emphasize this fact? The book of Revelation is written by John. John was a disciple of Jesus. John also wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John uh, was a prisoner of the Lord on an island of Patmos because of his proclamation of the good news of Jesus. And when he was a prisoner on the island of Patmos, God revealed revelation, gave him a revelation, not revelations. He didn't give him multiple revelations, he gave him one. He revealed himself to John to give a word of hope to struggling churches in the region. At this time, the Roman Empire was being uh, very harsh against Christians, and so God gave John words of hope to give to the churches in order to encourage them and strengthen them in a word of hope during their time of struggle and tribulation. And so this word from Revelation, even though it's difficult for us to understand, and we're not gonna be able to even hardly scratch the surface of the book of Revelation today, 
but as we do read it and as we understand the overarching message, it is applicable for us as well, just as it was for those people at that time, because we are, in a way, in the same uh, position as those churches. We, as Christian people today, uh, live in this tension, and it is a tension, be, of, of a time between the resurrection of Jesus and his coming again. All right? So we live in this, in this tension, and it is a tension, uh, of, of, of a time between the resurrection of Jesus and his coming again. And so the words of the New Testament, and especially the book of Revelation, are applicable for us today. As we get into this book of Revelation, uh, we learn about the end. And we talk about the end, and we learn about the end in order that we can learn how to have hope while we wait for the end. But what is the end? What are we looking forward to? I believe that as Christian people, we would all say heaven, right? Heaven is the end goal of all Christian people, is it not? Heaven is. We are so excited, as a matter of fact, that we are throwing a heaven party today. So if you haven't heard about the heaven party, we're throwing a party today. We've got bounce houses, we've got hot dogs, popcorn, uh, community service projects, and may or may not have cotton candy. So ugh, my kids were really excited about cotton candy, but the cotton candy machine's not working. Uh, but I want to believe that there's going to be cotton candy in heaven. But that could be, there could be a need for a theological dissertation uh, to be written on this subject. So I would gladly volunteer to write that. And I might need some people to participate in a case study. All right. So if you want to volunteer, we'll figure out if there's going to be cotton candy in heaven. All right. Uh, here's, here's the reality, though. I, I believe that once we start talking about heaven, once we start talking about heaven, all of you gather in this room probably have different ideas of what we're talking about. And once heaven is mentioned, you probably have a picture in your mind, and how, I don't know how that picture got in your mind, whether it's from reading the scriptures, or from Sunday school, or from what you see on uh, movies and TV shows, okay? So we get a little confused sometimes about what is out there. Today, today I want to talk about uh, four questions, four questions, and we'll put them up on the screen. Four questions. What is heaven? Where is it? How do we get there? And what should we do until heaven? Now, we could probably put a lot of different questions on the screen. And, and again, today, I'm probably just going to scratch the surface on even getting some answers to these questions. And for some of these, there, there is a lot of um, unknown. And I'll just be frank about that. The scriptures aren't necessarily all that clear. But because this is such a, such a topic that I think so many people are curious about, uh, again, today I'm just going to scratch the surface. It may want, leave you wanting more, and I pray it does so you come back. But later on this summer, uh, I'm going to put together a, a couple of weeks uh, of a series on heaven and hell and what this hope is. So we'll get into this more later on this summer. But here are the four questions we're going to talk briefly about today. What is heaven? Where is it? How do we get there? And what should we do until heaven? So let's just crank right on through this. So what is it? What is heaven? Heaven is, uh, according to the scriptures, by definition, the dwelling place of God. So heaven is where God lives. 
So if you are fully in the presence of God, you are then, in a way, in heaven. It might also help to explain what heaven is not. Right? So what is heaven not? Heaven is not a place where spirits float around on clouds with little angel wings playing harps for all of eternity. All right? And, I, and I, I, I say this kind of lightly, but I also say it very seriously because we get mixed messages from what we see and read and hear uh, in the media today. All right? So heaven is not a place where spirits float on clouds with little angel wings playing harps for all of eternity. That is not... And so if you have that as the image of heaven in your mind, I'm going to ask you to pay attention today and then to open up the scriptures because that is not the biblical image of what heaven is. Our future hope, as the Bible talks about it, is actually one that is very physical. Physical. The Bible talks very physically about our future, as in skin and bones and blood and dirt, all right, and vineyards and gardens and trees. In a way, the vision of what is to come is incredibly similar to what God created in the very beginning. Imagine that. What God created in the very beginning was perfection, right? God brought all this into being. Everything that exists, God brought here. He made the dirt. He made the water. He made the sky and everything that is in it. He made the animals, he made you, and he put humanity here to have authority over the creation. And that is perfection, as God designed it for us to experience. And God was there. And there was perfection. That was what God had originally created. And so what the scriptures talk about for our future hope is actually very similar to that. It talks about a restoration of what was. It'll be perfect. But can you imagine what perfection looks like? Can you imagine it? Can you comprehend perfection? Not in our sinful minds, we can't. But we can start to maybe get glimpses of heaven if you think about all the things that are not perfect in your lives. So what's not perfect in your life? Probably your relationships. Even the best relationships are not perfect. Your flesh is not perfect. Your relationship with this creation is not perfect. Your relationship with God is not perfect. There are a lot of imperfections in our lives. So imagine removing all of that. Then you start to get close to perhaps what perfection looks like. And God will be there. And perfect peace will be there. And no one will die anymore. And, and Jesus will be there. And that's the picture of heaven. That's what heaven is. So the second question then is, well, where is it? <laughs> A lot of people talk about heaven as being up and hell as being down, right? Heaven being up and hell being down. Do you know why people talk that way? Well, it could have something to do with the way that the Bible talks. Because in the Bible, in both Hebrew and Greek, the word for heaven the word for the dwelling place of God, all right, the definition of heaven, is also the same word to talk about the heavens. That is the sky and the stars and the clouds and the stuff up there. It's the same word. 
So therefore, when people hear heaven, where, where God is, they also think, well, up. Okay? The, the Bible then also talks about hell as the place where, where dead people go. The ground. And, and the definitions for hell also talk about, like, the garbage pit and the dump and where the rubbish and the, the sewer goes. All right? So places you don't want to go down in the valley outside of the city. All right? So naturally down. And so, the, so people, I think, end up thinking of heaven as up and hell as down naturally because that's how we think. But actually, where is heaven? Well, we got to leave this one up to God, right? Because God is outside of time. And God is outside of space. He created time and space, so he's not bound by these definitions as we understand them. So, but, but what are we looking forward to, and, and where is this? Well, again, as I said, heaven is, by definition, where Jesus is. And the promise of Jesus is that he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to raise the dead. And he's going to fix and restore all that's broken to its original paradise and make a new heaven and a new earth. And so, therefore, our future hope of heaven actually, again, looks very similar to this. Only perfect. And only with God there, perfection. With all of the things that we need that are not perfect. And again, I just tell you, plain and simple, heaven is, again, not a place where spirits float on clouds with angel wings playing parts. All right? We're going we're gonna to make sure that you get this by the end. All right. So what is it? Where is it? How do we get there? How do we get there? Well, here's the short answer, which is the right answer, which is the only answer that we need. And how do we get to heaven? It's the Sunday school answer. Jesus. All right? Jesus. The, the way that you get to heaven is through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Those of you who have been with us at any point in the last nine months that we've been going through the story, where does every single part of the story point? Jesus. From the beginning, when God said to that serpent, your head is going to be crushed, he was promising that the Messiah would come. Every single step of the way, I pray that you have been seeing God's people being moved to wait and receive the Messiah, the coming of Christ. And he did come, God in the flesh, born into this world in the person of Jesus. He is the one who is the perfect sacrificial lamb slain for your sins and mine. Jesus is the one who died, yet more than that, who was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the resurrection of the dead, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. This is what you just confessed. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Jesus is the way to heaven. He is the one who is coming back to make all things new. So, what is it? Where is it? How do we get there? And finally, what are we supposed to do until heaven? What are we supposed to do until heaven? The scriptures are very clear about this. Love God, love one another. That's it. Love God and love one another. 
As Christian people, we are called to live and be ambassadors of hope. We are called as Christian people to live in the hope of what is to come in heaven. This, my friends, is why Jesus teaches in the Lord's Prayer to pray, Thy will be done, where? On earth, as it is where? In heaven. This is why Jesus teaches us. He says, pray like this, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we praying? What is Jesus encouraging us to pray? That we would desire that Jesus would come and be here and come and dwell here and come and live here as he is in heaven bringing perfect peace and perfect hope and perfect joy and perfect relationships and perfect bodies here on earth as it is in heaven. Come here, Lord Jesus. Did you notice the words that Brandon read for us in Revelation 22? The very last words of your Bible. You can pull it out and look at it in, in, on, on your handle. What are the last words of your scriptures? The second to last sentence? It is these words. Amen, come Lord Jesus. Amen, come Lord Jesus. This has been the prayer of Christian people from the very beginning. This is the hope of Christian people, for Christ to come and make all things new. Come, Lord Jesus. The prayer of Christian people, and, and I tell you this, all right, and this might strike some of you as, as an odd remark. The prayer of Christian people has not been, I want to die so that I can go to heaven. The prayer of the Christian church from the scriptures is, Come, Lord Jesus, now so that I don't even have to die. Let me say that again. The prayer of the Christian church is not, I want to die so I can go to heaven. The prayer of the Christian church is, Lord Jesus, would you come now and make things new so I don't even have to go through that pain of wretched death. This is what we pray. We pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because when Jesus comes, things will be made new. And as the Bible says, we will live together in perfect harmony. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain anymore. For those things will be gone. There will be no more death anymore. Because life will win. And so our prayer is this, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We don't want to wait any longer. Now we hear it from Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus is very clear about when this will come. When he's going to come. He says in another place that, Jesus, that he doesn't even know when the time will come, when the end will come. But Jesus, is, Jesus makes a point here in Matthew 24. And, and you've got this for you in your, in your lesson handout. But Jesus says this. Here's when he will come. When the good news is proclaimed to all nations, then the end will come. When the good news of Jesus Christ is proclaimed to all nations, then he will come. So what does this mean? It means this for you. It means this for you. It means that if you are tired of the brokenness in this world, it means that if you are tired and sick and fed up of the social injustice that exists in this world, 
If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, then go and tell some people about Jesus. Seriously, this is what Jesus says. If you want to speed up the coming of Christ, go and proclaim the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's coming back to make all things new. And as soon as that is done, he's coming back. So if you want to speed it up, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, go and tell some people about Jesus Christ. This is why, my friends, at our heaven party today, we are not just partying for our sake. We're not just throwing a party for us to boast in what our hope is, but we are actually going to serve. And we're actually going to give. We're going to do some projects today in order that the good news of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed into this world. And so I hope that you participate in this. We have some hats that were made by a 90-year-old blind lady. I think she's made like 10,000 of these hats at her house in the woods, on my aunt and on a loom. But she couldn't finish the tops of the hats. So we have these bags of hats that we need some of you to stitch together the tops. We're going to send them to an organization in Green Bay, Wisconsin called Heavenly Hats, which will send them to oncology units in the name of Christ throughout the country. We're going to make cards for residents at a local nursing home whose names have been given to us because they don't get very many visitors. I pray that you bring the peace and presence of Jesus into their lives. We're going to send some cards to missionaries overseas that we've been praying for throughout the last year. I pray that you will send them the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to encourage them in their work. We're going to make a quilt today to send to Lutheran World Relief, which is a Lutheran agency that serves people overseas. We're going to make one quilt, and this quilt will be blessed later on before we send it off. But these quilts go to people, and the quilt is more than just a blanket that sits on a stand at the foot of your bed. This quilt will become a livelihood for somebody who will carry their, uh, their garments and their, their household items in it. It will be their livelihood. We're going to do that today. My friends, we are a church that is on a mission. We have to be. It's who God has called us to be. We have the most wonderful hope that perfection is coming because Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, there are a lot of questions that we have about heaven, some that are unanswerable, but the scriptures are clear. The promise of Jesus is clear. He's coming. He's coming. Today, I hope. I hope today, maybe tomorrow. We live today and tomorrow as though this hope is our reality. And we are a church on mission, and we at St. Peter Paul have been on mission for 150 years. Some of you have been asking, what are we going to do now that the story is over? Well, starting next week, I'm going I'm to start a sermon series that's going to take us uh, to our uh, 150th anniversary celebration. That's going to happen on July 23rd. And we're going to look at the Constitution, it sounds boring, it's not, of our congregation that was written 150 years ago. And the mission of this church has remained the same. We're a church on mission to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in this community and throughout the world. My friends, I pray that this journey through the story has been enlightening for you. And my prayer for you is that the hope of heaven... And that the joy and peace and presence of Jesus Christ would surround and fill you. So that through all of the struggles that you face in this life, through the relationship issues, through the sickness, through the death, that you would have such a sure and certain hope of what is to come. That you will live as though that hope is your reality. And here's what I hope you experience. The, the more that we live in this hope, the closer that heaven becomes. 
So the more that you live in hope, the more often you pray on earth as it is in heaven, the closer you get to heaven. So pray that way, live that way, and it is our prayer. We join the church throughout time, throughout history. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. My friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.